Before we begin, if you like what you hear on the Tin and J-Man Show, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We encourage you to interact with us and keep up to date with the TNJ Man Show on social media by liking our Facebook page and following us on Twitter and Instagram at TNJ Man Show. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the TNJ Man Show with your hosts, Tanner Lee and Josh the J Man Munt. Welcome back, TNJ Man Show Nation, to another edition of the TNJ Man Show. We are back live on the ISC Sports Network this week. We apologize. Last week we had some technical difficulties, but those have been figured out, as you can see right now. And thanks for inviting us into your home, into your car, into your phone, wherever you're watching or listening to the Tan and J-Man show at. I'm Tanner Lee. Josh the J-Man months on the phone. What's going on, J-Man? How you doing, you son of a gun? Well, we're hanging in there. Yes, sir. This is a week six of a quarantined edition of the Tan and J-Man show, so... Fun. Uh, do anything exciting the past week? Learn anything new? Watch any new movies, new shows, uh, read any new books? I watched a lot of the NFL draft. I watched every, almost every pick. I missed maybe four or five picks. <laughs> I did not watch every single pick. <laughs> um, but I did watch a majority on Thursday and Friday. Saturday, I just kind of had it on in the background. Highest uh, view stuff. draft ever. Yeah, how how many millions was it? I know Thursday night was like six. You know, I so. I don't know combined how many millions. I saw it yesterday, and I I should have took note of it, huh. but I didn't. But uh, what did you think of the presentation and everything? I thought it went over really well. Um, I was kind of hoping for some chaos and internet issues with teams and stuff. <laughs> um, but I thought it went on without a hitch. I thought it went uh, pretty well. I thought it was pretty neat to see. Yeah, the GMs and everything, and the owners and everything with their families and the coaches. Yeah, it it kind of humanized them all. Yeah, um, which is nice a, to in see in a way. Yeah, and I I know at least Brian Flores, head coach of the Dolphins, said this is the first time in the spring he's been able to spend time with his family, and he really enjoyed it. I know a lot of coaches have said that. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see that more come draft time, where guys are kind of doing meetings at their home and spending more time with their family. So it could end up changing the draft completely. Yeah, and, and, and what do you think about I was thinking about this today. What if they did the first round like they used to or like every other year has been, but then the rest of the rounds virtual? That would be interesting. I don't know um, if they could I'm, do that. That would be a lot of setup um, drafting-wise yeah, and everything, but I don't know if that would be possible. That's a, Especially since they have the draft on a rotating destination every year, that probably wouldn't wouldn't be. Yeah, because I mean, people kind of make a whole weekend out of it. Because they um, already announced the, I forget where the twenty twenty one draft is, but the twenty twenty two is now going to be in Vegas. J Man will Google twenty twenty one draft. Yeah, I don't because it was in Nashville last year. It might be Kansas City. Really? Maybe. I'm not too confident now that I said that. Hmm. But um, let's see here, Cleveland. Wow, I was off. Yeah, um, that just—no offense to any Clevelanders, but that just does not sound like a very fun uh, place to uh, spend a uh, 
mid-April, late-April weekend. Well, the Browns typically have a pretty high draft pick, so at least they would, uh, their fan base would be excited. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got a bunch to talk talk about tonight. We got NFL Draft, uh, recapping that, of course, recapping episodes three and four of The Last Dance, and a few other fun things to talk about. But uh, we want to let you know that the Tan J-Man Show is brought to you by, like it is every week, The Damn Landing. Whether you want an epic burger, hand-tossed pizza, hand-breaded tenderloin, seafood, craft beer, or a handcrafted cocktail, the Dam Landing is the place to be. The Dam Landing is a bar and grill located on beautiful Lake Mantle that focuses on freshness and quality. And, of course, the Dam Smoke. Every Friday and, and, and during the weekend, you got barbecue, you got ribs, you got steaks. J-Man, have you had the ribs yet? I have not. Maybe this weekend. And I what, keep, uh, what are you waiting for? I don't know. I keep telling myself. Uh, this is the weekend it's going to happen, and then for whatever reason, it just never does. Well, you saw what they announced yesterday on Facebook, right? I did not. Uh, back by popular demand, damn breakfast pizzas. Available at 11 nice. a.m. until sold out. They got three different ones. They got the hot mess, which is sausage gravy, egg, bacon, jalapeno, uh, crumble, uh, tot crumble, and damn sauce. They got the hangover, which is sausage gravy, egg, bacon, tot crumble, and uh, scallion. Then they got the farmer, sausage, gravy, egg, ham, green pepper, onion, mushroom, and tot crumble. Yummy. So, um, yeah, you can get that and more. Great food. Uh, carry-out service right now, delivery. Call them today at 574-223-8950, located at 1305 Ewing Road in Rochester. All right. You ready for some birdie bogey trivia? Let's hear it. All right. Well, like I kind of was mentioning just a little little bit ago, we will be recapping the uh, episodes three and four of The Last Dance. So I thought I'd do an NBA-related question that kind of ties into that. Not great. <laughs> Dennis Rodman is one of three players in NBA history to have won multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards and multiple NBA championships. Name the other two players. I have no shot. <laughs> well, well, you got darn near an hour to think about it. So yes, uh, that gives me a little bit of hope. Not much. Uh, but I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. So, and I got a comment here uh, from Tanya Shriver. Uh, her husband Sean said the NFL draft is in K- KC in two years. Ah. So, I knew I knew it was so. something like that. I was close. So like 2023, three years? That would be three years because I think they announced 2022 is going to Vegas. Is going to Vegas, correct. Yep. Unless they got that wrong, which they could have. Goodell kind of stumble over his words a little bit here and there. Yeah, he uh, went from looking great on Thursday night to just completely worn out (laughs) by the last pick on Friday. And I will say, some of the names he had to pronounce, goodness gracious. Yeah. Main, the they, Broncos mainly, drafted like four of them. So I was gonna say they're mainly all taken by the Broncos. I know, Dolphins, it's awful. Dolphins drafted two of them. He had to say, attempt to it, say in the first terrible. round. It's terrible. <laughs> but uh, but the birdie bogey is brought to you by the Noble Gnome LLC. Um, of course, their pickup date and time this year has been uh, pushed back by about a week. So the first day of pickup this year will be May fourteenth. The last day is October first. Pickup location still at Romine Family Farms. 3328 South 900 West in Mentone, Indiana. And, of course, you can sign up for the CSA membership, which um, gets you a weekly box of fresh produce. You'll get their newsletter, recipes, 
a relationship with them, the farmers who grow your food, and exclusive farm tours. Uh, what can you get in your box? Well, they got about everything. Beets, cabbage, carrots, cauliflower, uh, cucumbers, eggplant, herbs, kale, kohlrabi, lettuce, melons, microgreens, onions, peppers, radishes, spinach, summer squash, salad mix, sweet corn, Swiss chard, tomatoes, turnips, and winter squash. So for more information, you can like them, like their Facebook page, follow them on Instagram, and check out their website, noblenomelloc.com. Get your veggies. Getting really close. Yes, sir. It's uh, supposed to be a pretty nice week weather-wise, so uh, people need to go out and get your veggies. Yep. There you go. Ready to uh, be educated on this day? Always. Professor J-Man. Professor J-Man. Yeah, Professor J-Man, yeah. In 1929 on this day, Ryder Cup Golf played at Moortown Golf Club. Great Britain beats the U.S. 7-5. to in bitterly cold and snowy conditions. <laughs> snowy golf. Snowy golf, late April. That's a, that's a rough weather. Day. Hey, I would take it right now to watch. <laughs> snowy golf. I would watch snowy golf right now, yes, on TV. Give me something. I'd prefer, I'd prefer to watch snowy golf than regular golf. It'd be far more interesting <laughs> to me. <laughs> In 1956, on this day, undefeated world heavyweight boxing champion Rocco Marciano retires from the ring. Hmm. Pretty good one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not big on my uh, boxing trivia Me history, either. but sounds I've heard pretty of good. Him. Yes. In 1961, on this day, the NFL officially recognizes the Hall of Fame in Canton, Canton Ohio. <laughs> you said that was 61? Yes, 1961. Okay. On this day in 1983, Nolan Ryan becomes the strikeout king. Can you name me the pitcher he passed? Oh. Oh, jeez. Uh, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb was not a pitcher. <laughs> of course he wasn't. Gosh, dang it. I Walter Johnson. <laughs> uh, I could have guessed 50 guys. Why did I think Ty Cobb was a pitcher? He was not a pitcher. Why did I, I heard he... He was an extremely mean-spirited man. That's who who what am I, I thinking of back in the day that was um, – am I thinking of Cy yeah, Young? You're probably thinking of Cy Young. Yeah, that makes sense. War, there's there's a, an award yeah. named after him. Oh, man. Um, he became the strikeout king with 3,509 strikeouts. He finished with like 5,700 strikeouts. Can you name who's second now with 4,800 or so? Just saw it on the bottom line on ESPN. Strikeouts? Yes. Is it Randy Johnson? It is Randy Johnson. All right. Good good guess, good. Tanner. That was a very good guess. Very good guess. On this date in nineteen ninety two, the New York Mets traded David Cohn to the Toronto Blue Jays for Jeff Kent. Oh, I didn't even know. Hmm. Interesting. It- it is a very uh slow on this day that I had to uh, throw that in there. Yeah, it must be. Jeff Kent, 2000 MVP. Yes, he was also a very mean-spirited guy, and not many people liked him. You're right. Much like, I, I think David Cohn was kind of the same way. Kind of both uh, curmudgeons. Yeah, yeah. On this day in 1994, Twins righty Scott Erickson no-hit the Brewers 6-0. Never heard of him. Ever, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever heard of him either. And the last one on this day, three years ago, 
Texas A&M defensive end Miles Garrett was the first pick in the draft by the Cleveland Browns. Now he likes to hit people in the head with helmets. Yes, uh, attempted uh, attempted murder. But he is a pretty good player. Can you na- yes he is. Can you name who was the number 1 overall pick on this day in 1982? <clears throat> 82? Yes. Hmm. It's the year before LA. What team has the number 1 pick? The New England Patriots. Okay. No. No. Kenneth Sims. Oh, nope. Yep. That is all that uh, happened on this day. (laughs) Pretty weak Uh, list today. It was a very weak list. I think, was it last week or the week before where we had a ton of them? Yeah, Uh, I think it was last week. This week, not so much. But on this day, Sigma is brought to you by Proforma Print House. Are you looking for a trustworthy, dependable resource for your next trade show, company picnic, or sales meeting? Performa Print House has over 50 years combined experience in promotional products and commercial print. They strive for fast and efficient response to all your print needs. You need to look no further. Let them be your one source print and promotional company. Call them today at 574-210-3815. Let's get into recapping episodes three and four of The Last Dance, the ESPN documentary that's taken the nation by storm. How good is this documentary on a scale of one to ten? It's, it's, I mean, I would say it's ten. I, I think the worst you could grade is probably nine, eight or nine. I mean, I don't know why you would grade any lower than that. Um, it might be a case of recency bias, but I think this is the best sports documentary I've ever watched. It's really well done. Um, and we're, we're all, I mean, we're only 40% of the way done with it. I know, it but it makes me sad thinking it's going to be done in three weeks. I know it. I've, then what? I've been, then what are we going to watch? I know, and I was thinking that after the draft on Saturday, and then I remember, oh, yeah, we got the got the last dance on Sunday, but uh already dreading when it's over. Yeah, this was a nice weekend. If you liked sports, you know you had the NFL draft, which was live. It was meaningful. It was a sporting it, – it was nice to see people banter and argue on Twitter about sports again. Um, <laughs> and then you had the last dance, episode three and four last mm-hmm. night. Episode three uh, – portrayed Dennis Rodman mostly in an episode four, Phil Jackson. Or was it three that was Rodman and Jackson, and then four was – anyways, and it was tied in with the Pistons and the Bulls rivalry, which mm-hmm. was really neat to see. Yeah, the um, as for the Rodman segment of it, it was really good, but ESPN had done a 30 for 30 on Rodman yep. just a few, few months ago. So I didn't learn a whole lot from it because a lot of it was kind of the same. Mm-hmm. But I thought episode four was the best one we've had so far, just with the Pistons rivalry and yep. all that. Um, the Pistons were kind of the worst, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, and I had known that. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if there's ever been a professional athlete more hated than Bill Lambert. <laughs> he was he man. Was just, yeah, I, he was a goon. He was just a goon. That, that's that's exactly what he was. He just knocked people to the ground. Um, they were I tough, mean, man. They were just they, mean. They, they had those Jordan rules where, I mean, if he got in the air, we're putting him on his butt. That was yep. pretty much their whole philosophy, and, you know, it worked. Uh, but I did find it kind of ironic they were nicknamed the bad boys, but were so cowardly that they left the court with eight seconds left in the Eastern Conference Finals when they knew they were going to lose. And I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because what do you think How about soft? that? Because they showed the footage of Bird, Parrish, uh-huh. 
Ainge doing that same thing years before when the Pistons kind of unseated the uh, Celtics. Mm-hmm. So what what do you think um, about? I mean, what still still just, rubbed you the wrong way then? It, it made me mad because I mean Jordan Jordan's one of the most competitive athletes in the history of sports, and I mean he stuck around when they were routinely you know. getting beaten by the Pistons, and he'd shake their hand, congratulate them. But the fact that they were nicknamed the bad boys, yet were too soft and cowardly to even stick around. Yep. And that just tells you all you need to know about them. And, of course, Lambeer was kind of the ringleader yep. leader in that. Um, and then Isaiah tried to justify their actions. <laughs> He's a jerk. He, he, he really is a terrible human being. <laughs> He's... Um, but, it, I mean, you could really, 30 years later, still see the contempt Jordan had for Isaiah. He sure. still hates him. Yep. He still hates him. Yep. And... And it was interesting, too. Um, it should be pointed out, and I noticed this last night watching the Scott Van Pelt show after the last dance was over. John Sally and a few other players and the Pistons coach stayed around to hand, shake hands. It was only a, a a good majority didn't, but John Sally and a few others did. Right, which, which Sally was interviewed on the documentary, and he actually seemed like a fairly class act. Well, and he was a um, member of the Bulls in ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. So. So yeah, he 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 seemed like the most normal and humble of the guys um, on that Pistons team. So. But it was really interesting. I thought how you know after getting beat by the Pistons back to back years, Jordan and the Bulls that one year finally said, "Okay, we're not going anywhere after the season. We're staying here. We're going to start weight training. Yep. We're going to get bigger. We're going to get tougher." And that's what it took. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty crazy that Jordan had never really done any weight training yeah. before that, which which you can kind of see too because he was really skinny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean he he just knew what he needed to do to get better. Yep, yep, and um, and it was also I, I'm kind of jumping around here, and that's and, and speaking of jumping around, that's one critique I've seen on Twitter from some people is that the documentary jumps around too much, like they'll it, go it back in time, then they go clear up to ninety eight, and then they go back. But, but whatever. I I I wouldn't say it's confusing or anything. No. I mean they, they they clearly show where they're jumping. Yeah, to. yeah. So, but but it, it is interesting that speaking like Rodman and John Sally that Jordan being the competitor and just wanting to win so much, he'd bring these guys in that used to be his rivals because he knew knew mm-hmm. they could help them win. Yep. No, I mean it was. Interesting, because when you see Rodman there pushing Jordan and pushing Pippen down when he's on the Pistons, I'm thinking if, I, if that was me, I'd never want him to be my teammate in the future at all. But I know it. But they uh, they saw the um, and if it, it was so things. cool hearing Dennis Rodman talk about his rebounding philosophy, yep. uh, where he'd watch film of Pippen and Jordan missing shots, mm-hmm. and he he knew exactly where the ball was going to bounce off to. And he put himself right in that exact position. And that's why he's one of the greatest rebounders, if not the greatest rebounder in the history of the game. He is the best rebounder, I think, in the modern era. Um, but it's just interesting. I mean, he, he doesn't look like a smart guy. He doesn't really act like a smart guy. But Jordan even said he is one of the smartest basketball guys he knows. And, and I, I think Rodman's a lot smarter than people give him credit for. If, yes. he, if social media was around then, Rodman would be worth so much money right now because he knew how to market himself. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he even, him and Karl Malone both, when they were rivals and going back and forth in the finals, they both did some pro wrestling against each other in WCW. 
And huh. it's kind of funny because I saw a documentary about that, which was really interesting because Carl Malone grew up wanting to be a professional wrestler. He didn't want to be really? a basketball player. It just kind of happened. And Rodman was just doing it for the money. But just kind of like the last dance showed, they were talking about how Rodman wouldn't show up to like the rehearsals to go over matches and stuff for like he'd be or if he did, he was two hours late in different things. But then when it came time on that Monday night when they were live, he was there and was 100 percent and just blew it away. And just kind of like how he, you know, he had to have a a bender in Vegas with Carmen Electra last night. And that's what he needed to let loose and then he was good to go i mean that's just yeah. rodman <laughs> yeah and, and and jordan even said you know we, we knew we weren't getting him back in 48 yep. hours yeah uh, but we brought him back and he was fine yep. i mean mentally he was there he was he was good to go but it, it was really interesting and i guess i never realized either that jordan loved doug collins as much mm-hmm. as he did yeah i was actually going to bring that up because i thought collins kind of got a raw no, absolutely team. He was fired after going to the Eastern Conference yeah. Finals. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Phil took him to a completely different level. Um, and I don't think Scottie Pippen turns into Scottie Pippen if Phil Jackson does not become head coach and implements his triangle offense. It was really cool to see kind of the graphics of how the triangle offense works. Yeah. I've never really nope. looked into it or anything. Um, yet I just don't think Pippen is Scottie Pippen. If nope. they don't have that, because he was kind of their point guard, and if he wasn't, um, if they didn't have the triangle offense, he was just kind of be the small forward out there. He he probably would have still scored points and stuff, but now he was kind of their primary ball handler. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, you know, one of our good friends, Evan Webb, he asked a good question earlier today. Um, he was comparing um, what without looking up his question, I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. He was comparing what was it Kobe and Shaq again? Would you rather have Kobe and Shaq or or Pippen? Was that it? He, it, I, I think the way he worded it was um, a lot of people have been talking about um, how Scottie Pippen's the greatest number two mm-hmm. of all time. Um, here, I'll I'll actually go look it up real quick. Um, it wasn't that far back in the messages. I don't believe the question was. Need a little, uh, need a little music. Yeah, here. some Jeopardy music going. Uh, let's see. I, I, do you, do you actually remember when he sent it? It wasn't that long ago. It was this morning, I think. Was a uh, question to debate on the pod with the release of the Last Dance. We're seeing a lot of people saying Scottie Pippen is the greatest number two ever. Uh, for the sake of arguing, would you say Pippen is better than Shaq or Kobe slash Shaq? Also, who would you say was the number two? On those Laker teams. Well, the number two, in my opinion, was Kobe. Really? Yep. See, I am. I completely disagree with you. Okay. Um, may, maybe at the beginning of that run, it was Kobe, but I think by the end, uh, Shaq was kind of the number two. And I remember after Shaq left and joined the Heat, there was always the talk, well, Kobe couldn't do it without Shaq, yeah. but then he, he ended up winning two in a row yeah. without Shaq. Yeah, I mean, they, the franchise obviously thought, but Shaq was older, uh, but the mm-hmm. pr- franchise all, all obviously thought that Kobe was the piece, but I always thought, growing up and watching those teams, I thought Shaq was the centerpiece, and Kobe was amazing number two. But I mean, it's hard to argue with you, but for the sake of argument, sure. I no, think... It's, I, I yeah. I think as I said by the end of those three years I think Kobe was the dude. Yeah. Of course, Shaq had been in the league almost ten years then, yeah. if not ten years. 
Um, and I, I would take both those guys over Scotty. I easily. would too. Yep. Um, and it's it's hard to compare a Shaq to a Scotty Pippen just because they're completely well, it's different. It's even hard to compare Shaq to Kobe too because they play play yeah. two. Yeah. But yeah. So, but interesting I'm, discussion. That, 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 that was a really good question because um, Scotty Pippen, as I said with Phil Jackson, he's not Scotty Pippen, but he's also not Scotty Pippen without Michael Jordan either. Where I think um, Kobe would have been Kobe without Shaq, and yep. Shaq was already Shaq. You know? Yep. Yep. Good points. So. so. But I'd be interested to know from people who are watching on Facebook. Uh, you can drop in, in the comments if you want who your least favorite professional athlete is or it is today or, or is forever all time. Um, I know I worded have, that terribly, but have, have we ever actually done that? Cause I don't, that's got me. Th- I don't we, think we, we have. We might've a few years ago, but, uh, well, mine currently is Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers has been my least favorite <laughs> professional athlete for a long time. Now he's out of the AFC West, but he's still on the Colts. So yeah, you, you still hate old Phil, huh? Oh, dude, he just, yeah. I mean, he, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but just his trash talking and how he goes about it, mm. he just drives me nuts. I, I'm i not an NBA fan. I've mentioned that many, many times on the show. Uh, but I have hated Draymond Green since he was at Michigan State. Oh, yeah, he's he's an he's a easy one to, to hate. That's a good one. Um, and I, I was actually going to ask this question. What NBA player today would fit in well with that bad boys team? Well, Draymond thinks he's Rodman, but he's not. No, he's, um, he's nowhere close. The NBA's so soft now compared to when it was back then. Damn. Draymond would really be the only guy I could think of. He, he's from Michigan, was born in 90, right during the the end of uh, the Pistons' reign. Yeah. But he, he's, he's born in Saginaw, Michigan. I don't know how far that is from Detroit. Um, Lance Stevenson a few years ago would have fit in well. Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> Old Lance, he was he was crazy. Yeah, run our test. Yeah, met world peace actually. Yeah, um, yeah that's, but yeah. I mean, that crap wouldn't fly in today's game. No, with them no. Throwing, I mean, there'd be so many suspensions, fines. And then that's one thing about this fly. documentary. Keeps showing me how just how good the NBA used to be and how poor of a product it is now. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I I mean, I actually enjoyed watching the NBA when I was a kid. Sure. Um, but now I just I can't get into nope. it because we, we, we just don't have those rivalries anymore. They're all best friends and yep. are, are, are in, like, movies together and hang out all the time. Yep. And that just kind of annoys me. Sure. Understandably so. Well, any more thoughts on episodes three and four? Um, it looks like next nope. week's is going to be a lot about, like, the marketing of uh, Jordan, it looked like on the previews last night. So, marketing aspect, and It'll there be- was a part that he was talking to Kobe. He said, "We'll see you down the road." Hmm. Well, I'll see you down It'll- the road. He said, "It'll be tough to top episode four last night." Yep, it was a good one. Yep, but uh, I'll be on the edge of my couch come Sunday. I can't wait. Night, so, <laughs> cannot wait. But the NFL draft happened over the weekend. It's one of both you and I's favorite events of the year. Uh, I really enjoyed it Thursday through Saturday this year. Um, really surprised myself for the first 11 picks in the in the draft. I got 10 of them right in my mock draft. That was insane. <laughs> you I was starting were to freak out a little fire. bit. I know it. I could not believe it. And then I got one out of the last uh, 22, right? But it was I, it was the Broncos pick that I got right. So 
Kuiper got like six. He got six. Thirty-two. It's 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 such a crapshoot. Oh, it is one of the guys uh, I I follow a so lot. Uh, unbelievable. Cecil Lammy, who's the draft expert expert for one hundred four point three, the fan out in Denver. He got ten right. So even to be him, I was pretty happy. And people were asking me how I did it. I looked at probably 10 to 15 mock drafts and kind of did some studying. And uh-huh. just because, I don't know, I, I went, I kept having it saved. And I would go back and change it, have it saved, go back and change it until finally I released it on Wednesday night. Because um, one of the picks I was mad that I changed, I, through all my mocks, I had Austin Jackson going 18 to the Dolphins. And then I changed it to Josh Jones on Wednesday night, and then Austin Jackson goes to the Dolphins at 18. Josh Jones goes in the second round. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, overall, you had to be pretty pleased with the Dolphins draft, I would think. Uh, yeah. Um, the Dolphins took Tua, and I could not be more delighted yep. I got my book it wrong. Yep. Um, they they could have taken a bunch of Tanner Lees and Josh Munts with the rest <laughs> of their picks, and I would have still given it an A+. Plus. Uh, that's funny. They, they got their quarterback, and I thought they played it perfectly. Um, we thought they had won too much last year to get their franchise quarterback. They won five games and yeah. up with the fifth pick. And have you ever – I might just be a little too close to it, but have you ever seen a team involved in more rumors heading into the draft than the Dolphins this year? It was mm-hmm. insane. It just kept going back and forth, I felt like, uh, between yeah, two we, guys. We, we heard they liked Hoover, Herbert more than Tua. They liked Tua more than Herbert. I even heard they liked Jordan Love more than both of them. Um, we also heard they weren't going to trade up for anyone. Then they were going to trade up for an offensive lineman. Uh, they created enough confusion that it really forced the Chargers to stay put at number six. They had no clue yep. what was going on. And the uh, Dolphins were allowed to get the guy they wanted for like the past 18 months now. So. And then for the rest of their draft, I mean, they really built up the trenches, which is what they needed to do, needed to build an offensive line. They haven't had a good one since 2008. Um, So they did what they had to do, and um, people were mad they didn't take a running back, and then they went and traded a fifth-round pick for Matt Breida. Yeah, it works pretty uh, good. Yeah, him and Jordan Howard should be a pretty good tandem. But overall, I thought uh, they did really well. My favorite pick of the draft, uh, did you see they drafted Malcolm Perry? Yes, I did. Out of Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the greatest Navy football players ever. And there's a new policy where military college athletes can per- pursue pro sports after college now, as long as they either end up finishing their time in the service afterwards or pay off their tuition in full. Um, that's a very Patriots-type pick because uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the team as a as a special team or it could be used kind of as a slot guy in the Julian Edelman role. But overall, I was pretty happy. Yeah, I thought you would be. I mean, mm-hmm. I know uh, fellow Dolphin fan uh, Brantlin Shally has got to be pleased because he texted me hating your book at last week and said Herbert's well. Tannehill 2.0, two or nothing. So. And I 100% agreed with him. And it's a good thing Stephen Ross fired Mike Tannenbaum as uh, – director uh, or president of football ops, whatever his position was, because he's an ESPN guy now, and he, leading up to the draft, said he would have absolutely taken Herbert at number five if he was the Dolphins. So thank God Stephen Ross finally canned him. I was pretty pleased, too, with my team's draft. Um, You you know, before you get started on that, uh, I have a hard time saying anything good about the Broncos (laughs) because – You've made me grow to hate I them. I do that to everybody around me, so you're not the only um, one. 
but the Broncos absolutely murdered it this year. I thought they did a great job. I did too. I um, think on paper it's Elway's best draft. I, I, yeah, and I thought he's had good back-to-back drafts. I don't know what he's – well, I, I will say one of the things I've noticed, a trend in his drafts, he's trying to get a lot of team captains, um, which I kind of like. I think that's a smart move. Um, but, I, lo- I mean, the first-round pick of Jerry Judy, the fact that he was there at 15, they didn't have to move up, that was a grand slam. Right, and and really that injury issue coming in really helped him out too. Yep. I think he would have gone in the top ten had he not had that injury. Yep. And then uh, I was surprised by the KJ Hamler pick. Um, I, I knew the Broncos were interested in him. I just didn't know they would take him in the second round. I thought they might try to wait till the third if he was there, but they jumped <laughs> on him. I I was surprised they went back to back wide receiver instead of getting that tackle because I still think they need a tackle. They didn't really address that too much in the draft, but their objective was of course to get speed. It's uh, we got to score points if we want to contend not only with the Chiefs but other teams. I mean, they mm-hmm. haven't scored points the last three years. It's just not getting it done. They still have a good defense. So, I mean, with Hamler, you got a guy in the slot and he can help in the return game. But uh, my my favorite, well, my favorite pick was Jerry Judy. But my second favorite pick out of all of them was uh, Lloyd uh, Cushenberry, the center from LSU in the third round at pick eighty three. He was ranked as a second, if not the second, the third best center by a lot of experts. And he was graded in the second round. So to get him in the third round, he'll probably be their starting center week one. So Yeah, plug and play. Other than that, other than that they just got a few uh, pieces here and there, some D-line help, a tight end from Missouri that Drew Locke threw 17 touchdowns to in two years. Um, got a linebacker in the fifth round that can supposedly cover pretty well out of Wake Forest. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how many of those guys towards the end actually make the team. But uh, I was very pleased with it. Um, as as the uh, as for the two local teams, I saw Colt fans were really pleased with their draft. Uh, they they should be two picks in the second round. They got Michael Pittman Jr., a wide receiver from USC. He's a big boy, six four, two twenty. So he should be everything that Devin Funches wasn't for them, I would think. Um, and then and they also got uh, Jonathan Taylor, running back from Wisconsin, who is one of the best college running backs I've ever seen. Yeah, I thought they did really well. They needed to get more offensive weapons, and that's what they did in the second round. I didn't really follow their draft the rest of the way, uh, but those two second-round picks were awfully darn good. Both the, guys could have snuck into the late first round, too. Well, in the third round, they got Julian Blackman, uh, safety from Utah. Utah got three of their four, if not all four, of their defensive backs drafted in the draft. Um, of course, he had LSU had 14 players drafted, which was a record. SEC had a record amount, but besides like the, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, and Alabama, I want to say that Utah might have had the most people drafted besides those other four wow. schools. If this tells you anything about LSU, the Dolphins drafted their long snapper in the sixth exactly. round. Exactly. That's all you need to know. I was surprised Moss didn't get drafted. He got picked up in free agency, but I was surprised hmm. he didn't get drafted, Randy Moss's son. Yeah. Now, now he's going to the Redskins where he's playing he with Adrian Peterson. Year. Adrian Peterson played with Randy Moss 2010. So now he's going to play with his son. Well, <laughs> I, that's crazy, but I saw another thing. Um, Antoine Winfield Sr. picked off Tom Brady in 2000. Antoine Winfield Jr. was three years old. The Tampa Bay Bucks just drafted Antoine Winfield Jr. Jeez. He was three years old. When his dad played against Tom Brady that's, and other teammates. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then, of course, the uh, one pick um, 
that kind of made some headlines for the Colts was in round four. They got quarterback Jacob Eason from Washington, ah, six six two twenty seven. Um, built a lot like Joe Flacco. Um, yeah. But he will be the Colts' only quarterback on contract past 2020 since Rivers is a one-year deal and this is the last year for Jacoby Brissett. I wonder what kind of draft capital they have next year um, because I could very much see – I, I don't think – I think they'll be pretty good so they won't be in a position to draft yeah. a Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wonder if they'll be a candidate to trade up to the top spot especially if a team like the Bengals end up getting a number one pick again, which I think is entirely possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Colts could be a candidate to trade up. What's, what's going to happen though is old Billy Belichick is just going to tank his season this year. I just can't see Bill doing that though, to be honest. I can't either, but he's a smart enough guy to know. But they did keep Uh jumping in. Every time I thought they were jumping back in the rounds to take a quarterback, they'd take some tight end from like a division three school. So yeah. it was getting really weird. <laughs> yeah, they, they said not taking a quarterback was not by design. Um, it just kind of worked out that way. Still watch for so, Cam Newton there. I, yeah, it's, it just doesn't feel like it'd be no. a fit, does no. it? But, no, but I don't know uh, where he goes, man. I don't, yeah, I, don't. I don't know where Cam goes. I don't know what the Patriots end up doing. They must um, really like Stidham. I don't know. But the Bears didn't have too many draft picks. Uh, their first draft pick was in the second round. They took a guy that a lot of people had going to the Bears, and he's probably going to be a Bear fan favorite because a lot of Bear fans also like Notre Dame. That's Cole Komet tied in from Notre Dame. You um, know, every Bear fan person I follow on Twitter, that's also a Cubs person, which is why I follow them, um, hates hates the pick of Cole Komet. Interesting. Hates it because there's like – Ten tight ends on the yeah. roster. Well, they're go- <coughs> excuse me, they're going <laughs> to they, cut they, a bunch of them. So yeah, they they wanted to go like wider them to go like wide receiver yeah. or offensive line because their offensive line's abysmal. They drafted um, two guards in the seventh. They drafted two guards in the seventh round, a wide receiver in the fifth. They also got Jalen Johnson, cornerback from Utah, in the second. They got a defensive end from Tulsa in the fifth, and they got a cornerback in the fifth. That was it. Yeah, they traded all the draft picks away for Khalil Mack. Yes. Um, and and they traded a fourth rounder for Nick Foles, I think. Yeah, so. next year they finally get their fir- uh, first round pick back. Yep. Yeah. So interesting. Not not a ton to cover there with the Bears, but I think the biggest headline, at least on Friday, was the Philadelphia Eagles taking Jalen Hurts. Yeah, kind of head scratcher taking him in the second round instead mm-hmm. of like the third or fourth. I guess they just think. Uh, they're going to develop some packages for them, some special packages or something. Of course, I was giving my dad a hard time that Carson Wentz is overrated, and he threatened to <laughs> not give me uh, any money after he's deceased. So <laughs> I thought I'd better back off the Carson Wentz talk because he, he's a big, big Carson Wentz fan. I can get him fired up easily just bringing up Nick Foles. But, you, um, <laughs> you, you know what a lot of teams said um, or that a lot of teams are concerned about is their starting quarterback getting this COVID-19. And that's part of the reason why um, the Eagles took him in the second round is because the backup quarterback position could be huge this year, just in case their starter gets the uh, virus. It's interesting to think that way. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. either going to be really smart thinking or really dumb thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, if you're mortgaging your future because of it, uh, I don't think it's overly smart. But uh, you know, I don't. I don't really know what Doug Peterson and um, well, I don't know who their GM is. Yeah, uh, I can't think of his thinking, name. But yep, 
Yeah. So, um, but I thought the, the one last pick I want to talk about before we move on and get into so, some fun trivia, Jordan Love to Green Bay in the first round. Yeah. Um, old Aaron Rodgers is 36. Uh, he had to sit behind Brett Favre for three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's probably smart. They got a, uh, they have a plan in place anyway. Yes. Um, but I, I just, I don't know how Aaron's going to react to it. He hasn't really said anything publicly, but he seems like the kind of guy that would be really upset about something like this. I think he holds grudges more than about any professional athlete. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I almost had him mocked there at 30, even though they traded up to get him. Mm-hmm. I almost had him mocked down. I thought, nah, you know, I think he slights his day two. I thought he'd go to the Colts, to be honest. Um, yeah. Jordan Love. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting because uh, he's probably going to sit for two or three years. And I don't know. I just can't see Aaron being willing to help him learn, but we'll see. You, you know, Rogers has $72 million left on the deal. Um, so could it be that Green Bay, after this year, is going to try to trade him? Watch for a team like New England. I was going to say, that's then. a New England move. Um, then, and I could entirely see that happen. And, you know, for years we couldn't see a franchise quarterback leaving there <laughs> the team they've been with forever and then Peyton Manning did it and kind of opened the door for Tom Brady well, to do it well to to Peyton's credit he got cut the Colts yes, he, said we're moving on from yeah, you he, due to your injury so he got kind of he wouldn't have out. ever left Indianapolis if uh, he had the choice but, but the fact other quarterbacks saw him in a different uniform told them that they could yes, do it yes know? good point so so yeah, overall, I thought the draft was really fun. It was nice to watch a meaningful sporting event go on, and like I said, banter and argue on Twitter. And uh, the NFL, it just it just took took my mind off everything for a few days. So yeah, it's kind of nice. Yep. So, and if we forgot any thoughts or anything about the draft, we have something to bring up next week, I guess. So, but on to trivia. Uh, a few I, weeks ago, we I sp- will. I will give you questions first, okay. by the way. Okay, so Josh is giving me 10 questions about Purdue football. I'm giving him 10 about Illinois basketball. We're probably going to make fools of ourselves, but it's going to be fun. I'm very nervous. <laughs> All right, number one, how many bowl games did Purdue play in under Joe Tiller? All right, I got to count on my fingers real quick. Ten. You are correct. Because he missed it in 05 and 08. Number two, what was their record in those bowl games? Ten bowl games. Okay, so. Um, four and six. Four and six is correct. Last uh, Joe Tiller question here. Um, Joe Tiller was interim coach of a Canadian football league team in 1976. What was the name of that team? Oh man, um, what what city? Uh, I'll, I'll, if you can name the city, I'll give you a point. Uh, um, Saskatchewan. I only know that's a city. That's probably a – I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a city or a province. Yeah, I, I'm um, terrible with 
Canadian things. So am I, but uh, you are incorrect. Right. He was interim coach of the Calgary Stampeders. Oh, okay. Yeah. Try to get the rest right. Dang. What year was the last time Purdue was ranked at the end of the season? Ooh. I was going to say the last time they've been ranked at all was 07 for a week, um, which is pathetic. Um, the end of the season. 2003? You are correct. Yep. Can you name uh, what their ranking was at the end of the oh, season? They lost to Bowling Green, Michigan, and Ohio State, then lost in overtime to Georgia in the Capital One Bowl. Let's go with 19. Ooh, so close. 18. <sighs> All right. But you get a point. Cool. Number five, Purdue has four pro football Hall of Famers. Can you name them? Current Hall of Famers. Drew Brees will get in. Um, you got... Lynn Dawson, Hank yes. Strom, Hank Strom, yes. uh, Bob Greasy, and Rod Woodson. You are correct. You're rolling. And I think Allstott will get in eventually, too. Think so? Mm-hmm. Has, has he even been like in the semifinals? No, yet or but a fullback's a tough position to get in. But if, if yeah, anybody does it, he's got us. Especially in today's NFL. Yeah. What player holds the single season passing yardage record? Curtis Painter. Curtis Painter. By about by a single digits over Drew Brees. Two yards. Two. I knew it was something. Yeah. Five out of six. What player is the career rushing touchdown leader? Corey Sheets with 48. Corey Sheets with 48. Mike Allsaw second with like 36. Six out of seven. Number eight, who is the career interception leader? Stuart Swaggart. And Stu then Ricardo Swaggart. Allen second. Who is who is the career sack leader? Roosevelt Colvin. Yes, and Sean Phillips and Ryan Kerrigan are closely behind. I mean, I made these too easy. <laughs> well, I have all these old. I, I, last year before the season, I studied a bunch of stuff. The last year, so with old <laughs> football books. So, and the final question: How many times has Purdue won the conference title? Oh, oh, well. Last time they won it was 2000. The time before that was 1966. Oh, I, I don't know how many times they won it way back in the day, so I'm going to go eight. Eight times is correct. Oh, my God. I got nine out of ten. Nine out of – that's 90 – that is an A plus or an A minus. I'll take anyway. it. Awesome. That was, a, that was solid, solid work. Well, J-Man. To embarrass myself. I think I made yours way too difficult. That's, that's fine. <laughs> but we're going to give it a try. All right, question one. Good old Bruce Weber has 472 oh, career wins. How many came at Illinois? Oh, gosh. And I'll, and I'll give you a – I'll give you a – you gave me a Gene Cady guessing one. So it is between uh, – it's between 205 and 215. 205 and 215. I am going to go with 210. You got it. His record yes, was 210 sir. and 101. You know, I I think I actually knew that um, anyway, but I probably would not have guessed 210 had you not given me a range, so thank you. You gave me this question when we did Purdue basketball, so I'm giving it to you for Illinois. Name the top five scoring leaders in Illinois history. I had a feeling this was going to be on there, but I did not, I did not look it up. <laughs> so... 
I know Deion Thomas is number one. He is number one with 2,129 points. Um, D. Brown, I think, is number two. He is number four with... Number four. No, he is number three with 1,812. No, he's number four. I cannot count with 1,812. Yep. I was going to say, I think Malcolm Hill is number three. He is with 1,817. So you're missing the number five and number two. Um... Brian Cook. He is number five with 1,748. So you're missing the number two guy. And number two, I'm between Eddie Johnson, Kiwani Garris. Um, I'm going to go Kiwani Garris. You got it. 1,948 points. Let's go. Yep. I, think, I think Garris is still the all-time freshman scoring leader at Illinois. He played way back in the day, too. So I think he was in the 90s, wasn't he? I thought he was... I'm I'm pretty sure he's in the nine. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go look it up real quick. Be careful. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just gonna look up Kiwani Garris. Um, all right. All right. Question. Ninety four to ninety six. Okay. I don't know who I was thinking about then when I was looking that up. Oh, I know. I know who I was thinking of. Never mind. Never mind. I was thinking of somebody else. Anyways, Lou Henson is Illinois' all time winningest head coach with a record of four hundred thirty four hundred twenty three and two hundred twenty four. How many Big Ten championships did he win? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go with, see, I know Lon Kruger won one. I'm going to go with three. How about one? Just one. 1984. Huh? He made the NCAA tournament 12 times, but they only won what? it in 84. They didn't even win it in 89. No. I think they Michigan were second. They were second in 89. Interesting. Who holds the record for most points scored in a single game? Um, I I know who it is, but I can't remember their name. I don't think it's Brandon Paul. He had forty three. Um, and I I have no clue. All right, this is the guy who played way back in the day, Dave Downey, with fifty three in nineteen sixty three. Yeah, I I I knew that now that you said his name, but I could not remember. I know Paul Paul had 43, and that was his yeah. highs. That's the, the most in the modern yep. um, era. Three so. for four, and you'll get these next few, I think. So, Who's the last player to win the Big Ten Player of the Year for the Illini? D. Brown. D. Brown in 05 is correct. So four for five. Who's the last Mr. Basketball from the state of Illinois to sign with the Illini? Well, it's te- it's technically Adam Miller because he just did it. Well, this past week. Okay, but not him before. Before him. that, it was Mark Smith. Mark Smith in 2017. You're five for six. Um, yeah, yeah. Adam Miller was just named Mr. Basketball, and he just signed last week, so he kind of screwed it up for you. Uh, yes, he did. But you're five for six. You're doing better than I thought you would. So I hate Mark Smith, by the way. I know I you hate do. His dad. Illinois has had five players selected in the first round of the NBA draft in the 2000s. Can you name them? Frankie Williams. Frankie Williams was 25th in 02. Brian Cook. Was 24th in 02. Darren Williams. He was 3rd in 05. Luther Head. 24th in 05. Myers Leonard. 11th in 2012. You are 6 for 7. When was the last time Illinois made the Sweet 16? 2005. Yep. 2004, 2005. Wow. You are 7 for 8. You're doing really well. Illinois has been the one seed in the NCAA tournament three times. Name the years. 2005. Yes. 
2001. Yes. And got to be 89, doesn't it? You got it. You are eight for nine. So it comes down to this question. Are you going to get 80% or 90%? I'm I'm really impressed. There was a few early on I thought. I didn't think you'd get all five of those scoring um, leaders, so. Or the Bruce Weber one, even though I gave you a guess. But You didn't help me out there. I appreciate it. Illinois has a winning record over nine of the other 13 Big Ten teams, besides themselves, of course. <clears throat> what four teams do they have losing records against? I know they have a losing record against Purdue. Yes, they're 89 and 102 against Purdue. Um, I'm going to say Indiana. Yes, they're 88 and 93 against Indiana. Let's see. I'm going to say Michigan State. They are correct. 60 and 63 against Michigan State. That one's close. It's changed here. Past couple years, it's kind of flipped. Um, Maryland. You got it. They're 6 and 11 against Maryland. So you got 9 out of 10 correct yourself. Yes, sir. Maryland, I think Illinois has the longest losing streak against anyone. It's Maryland. I think they haven't beat them since 2015. Should have beat them this year. I was going to say, you should have had them this past year. Good job, Jay, man. You did not embarrass yourself by any means. You did really really well. No, I thought I was really going to embarrass myself, and we both just nailed it. Maybe I should have gave you some tougher questions. I thought I gave you tough questions. Those those are pretty tough questions. I agree with you. All right, we got about six minutes here. You got anything else before the birdie bogey? Um. Yeah, no, I do, I do not. I'm trying to think. We we I did do this list of worst first round pick my team has made. Oh yeah, yeah. In my lifetime, we maybe I can maybe rifle through them real quick. I mean, um, just for the Broncos, mine's Paxton Lynch, but that's not too hard to figure out. Yeah, that was a bad one. I'll my the first one I'll say the one I hated the most at the time was probably Ted Ginn. Yeah. Um. Because I, I wanted Brady Quinn back then because I needed a quarterback. But Adrian Peterson went the very next pick, I believe. Yeah. Um, but the worst first-round pick the Dolphins have made is Deion Jordan. Yeah, that was a bad they, one. They traded up nine spots, taking third overall. He had a ton of drug problems. Only had three sacks in two years with the Dolphins. That was kind of Jeff Ireland's parting gift. Honorable mention, John Avery. Took him 29th overall in 98. Only ended up with 524 career rushing yards. Traded to Denver during his second year. Took Yatiel Green 15th overall in like 96. Um, he only played eight career games. Yeah, that's not ideal. Um, but they kind of salvaged it because they took Sam Madison and Jason Taylor with their next two picks in that draft. Hall of Famer, so. Yeah. And then uh, Charles Harris from just a few years ago, 2017, three and a half career sacks. Yeah. I I also did the Cubs well, one as well. We got a Cubs trivia question for you real quick. All right, let's And my hear it. dad sent in, who's the last person to score for the Cubs? <laughs> I have no it's idea. back in September. Ian, Ian Happ. David Bodie. Oh, how about David yep. Bodie? I miss baseball. Yep. Hayden Simpson was the worst first-round pick. Took him 16th overall in 2010 out of Southern Arkansas. They, they took him about three rounds before he was supposed to go. That's a then reach. He got, then he got mono. Uh, the, the Cubs actually saw him in the D2 playoffs, and he would be like hitting 97 miles an hour with a nasty slider. But then got mono, and his fastball never touched 90 again. Yeah. So I kind of, kind of feel bad for the guy. But yeah. 
happens. Also, one thing I want to mention, uh, Purdue did have two guys drafted, Bryson Hopkins, fourth round to the Rams, and then uh, Marcus Bailey, first pick of the seventh round to the Cincinnati Bengals. I was going to ask you if Bailey got drafted. I didn't. So he gets to stay home in Ohio. Yep. So if he can stay healthy, that could be a (laughs) – that could be a potential late round steal there by the by the Bengals. Yeah, because I know a lot of people thought he could be like a second round pick had he been healthy. Yeah, I thought he'd go fifth or sixth round. I thought Hopkins would go third. He went later than I thought, but he's got to develop his blocking a little bit. Indiana had a tackle going to sixth round to the Packers, and Notre Dame had ten players, um, with the leader being yeah. Cole Komet. So that's a that's a lot of draft picks. Yeah, it too. is. I mean, yeah, it they is. Fourteen's the record, and they had ten. It's I believe close. they had ten. That's at least what the guy on WSBT said. So, if he's wrong, then it was on him. So, but, but the birdie bogey question, going back to that, was Dennis Rodman is one of three players in NBA history with to win multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards and multiple NBA championships. Who are the other two players? Um, I don't know if they had this award back in the day, but I'm going to go Bill Russell. Well. No, no, you're you're wrong. They started the war in '82. Hopefully, that yes. helps you out. So I'll give you a mulligan. I'm definitely wrong. Um, Akeem Olajuwon, did he win too? Yes, Akeem Olajuwon did. Yep. Um, my other one, I'm going to go with, and I don't know who with, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, good guess though. How about Kawhi Leonard? Oh. Didn't even think about Kawhi Leonard. Yep. That's a good one. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, uh, my dad, you guessed Jordan, but Jordan, Jordan only won the defense player of the year one time. Just one time. So, yep. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Tan and J-Man Show. Thanks for watching on the IC Sports Network. Thanks for listening wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast at. If it's Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and a review. We really appreciate that. helps us out a lot. And we'll be back next Monday for another episode of the Tan and J-Man Show. Have a great week, everybody. And more importantly, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay sane.